0: Welcome to another episode of the Ladies That UX podcast. I'm Fiona McNeil, chapter leader at Ladies That UX Brighton. In today's episode, we're going to meet Marley Ritter. She is currently a UX designer and web accessibility champion at FedEx Express in the Netherlands. Marley is a UX designer and web accessibility evangelist who started off as a web designer in the 1990s. After two decades in the UX and design industry, she found her spark in Inclusive Design and Accessibility. She has been involved in driving accessibility initiatives in the design community in South Africa before relocating to the Netherlands in 2021. Mali believes education is an essential requirement for building an inclusive and accessible digital future. She has written accredited course material for design qualifications as well as authoring a book, UX for the Web which is available on Amazon. This episode was sponsored by Deploy.me, recruiters specialized in UX designers. Welcome
1: to the latest at UX in English podcast, a friendly welcome and collaborative organization of
0: intelligent and curious women who push UX borders, develop skills and promote talents by supporting each other. Welcome Mali, thank you for being here with us today. Hi Fiona, thanks for having me. Mali, can you tell me about your journey into
1: UX design? Sure, I started studying uh, psychology part-time while working as a web and graphic designer in the 90s. And During the course of my career, I worked at uh, various functions from design, product, front-end development. During my time as a designer at an airline, I designed complex user journeys and interfaces for booking flights and Online, And I was actually doing UX before I even knew I was doing UX. And tell me about your path into accessibility. So in 2016, I stumbled upon an, an accessibility article online, and I was surprised to realize that being a UX designer who follows the usability guidelines doesn't necessarily mean that you create inclusive designs. So I started researching, and then I got in touch with Cape Town Association of the Blind in South Africa. And from there, it just snowballed. I started uh, local meetups, I was speaking at UX conferences, just collaborating with designers and developers in the industry, and from there on I was an accessibility champion ever since.
0: And something we touched upon while preparing for this episode were the concepts of inclusive design and exclusive design. What do you think these terms mean?
1: For me, inclusive design is the process of designing solutions for all people, irrespective of their background and abilities. For example, accessibility, age, culture, economic situation, gender, geographic, you name it. And on the other hand, exclusive design is creating design solutions that has some form of exclusivity, even if it's very subtle. So I see it as there's two ways that you can look at exclusive design. So firstly, it's from an external point of view, like user research. Um, And secondly, it's from an internal point of view, like through personal lenses. So if you look at the first one, user research drives decision-making but if your recruitment is not inclusive are you including older adults are you including neurodiverse people in your research what about conducting usability with assistive technology I mean these days you can create accessible figma prototypes for testing so how inclusive will your results be from your research and your decision-making at the end of the day and if we look at the second point of lenses we look at the world through our personal lenses and these lenses are colored by our background or experiences so for example what is your nationality what is your race political views and how does that impact how you view the world around you so confirmation bias is a tendency to search interpret information in a way that confirms existing beliefs so it's very much a human tendency and we do it unconsciously we don't even realize it so it's one of the biggest threats to equitable design as designers we're focused on following design laws and guidelines guidelines, but how often do we challenge ourselves on our relationship with designs, decisions we make?
0: So if I understand correctly, the kind of idea of exclusive design is if you haven't included people in your process, then ultimately your design will be exclusive. It will exclude people from participating in that product, in that outcome. Have I understood correctly?
1: Yes, that's exactly what it is. By not focusing on inclusivity, we unconsciously exclude people.
0: Following on from that, terms that can be confused are inclusive design and accessibility. What are the differences? So inclusive design and accessibility
1: are often used interchangeably. This is not correct. I can highlight three key differences between them that will help differentiate it. The one would be modality, the second one focus, and the third one regulation. So the first one modality would be inclusive design is a methodology that consists of a process where accessibility is an outcome that consists of an experience with a focus on usability. Uh, so we hear about inclusive design, design thinking processes, that's very similar, so it's a higher um, overarching. And then the second one is focus. So inclusive design focuses on a full range of human diversity with respect to ability, language, culture, race, age, and any other forms of human difference. Accessibility, on the other hand, focuses on people with disabilities only so the third one would be a regulation inclusive design has no official regulation in digital space yet but accessibility has established laws and policies and standards across the world
0: it seems almost like because of those laws because of regulations accessibility ends up being considered more of a technical element there's methodology but it's not as you said it's a there's some mindsets involved in inclusive design where you're thinking about every single element and it's much more broad broad than accessibility. Does that sound like I've kind of understood correctly? Yes, I mean, that's
1: a very good point. With inclusive design being a process, you'd want to bring it in as, as soon in the process as you can, as early as you can, and including all functions. So it's not just the design initiative, bringing in all the parties, stakeholders within the design process as early as possible, including inclusive research. That really helps with the inclusive design process where accessibility is part of the process, but it's also more around a technical aspect. Is it accessible at the end? So there's compliance that, that accessibility can be checked against, if that makes sense
0: yeah it does really make sense and it's also that thing about if you are designing inclusively if you have an awareness of the guidelines considering those throughout the wireframing stages all the way to final development is important so the two seem to go very much hand in hand and complement each other but it's also that side of things where you can't kind of tack on accessibility at the very end either which some people try to do right
1: yes that's very true that seems to be the, the thing that people want to just at the end they would want to do an audit to check oh is this accessible or not but that doesn't really work that way even though inclusive design is the process when you design interfaces looking at interactive design looking at the components there's the accessibility aspect to all of these and that is really important to bring it in earlier in the stage
0: I think the key thing is that you can't solve accessibility by using an overlay to kind of add functionality for accessibility after the fact, it's better to use compliant HTML and use the elements that are available in HTML. And then by the same token, it's better to make sure that throughout the design process, as we've discussed, you're considering things like color and motion, those kinds of key stylings, because then by the time you get to development, you're in such a better place to be accessible because you've been thinking about it from day one. I I think it's also good to mention in this specifically
1: that because we're talking about a lot of technical aspects around accessibility, but it's not a developer and a designer shouldn't be isolated. They should work together in this. So even though you have the ARIA labels and you have the way that the coding works, the de- designer and developer should connect very early on in the, in the design process to make sure the interaction is working the way that it should and then you don't need an overlay.
0: And are there any accessibility tools? Tools and resources you recommend for UX
1: designers, Marley? Yes, there are so many resources online. It can get a bit, I think, overwhelming if you really want to start get going. I can recommend three websites. Start your journey if you don't know much about it. The first one would be the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. This is the rule book, the guidelines around everything accessibility. It is a bit daunting when you look at the website because there's a lot of rules, but I. Think think also just to keep in mind as a designer that you don't need to know all these rules off by heart, but it's good to know where the foundation of the web content accessibility guidelines are. The second resource is the WebAIM online library. They take the content accessibility guidelines and they make it a little bit more, I think, digestible for designers as well. So they simplify it. They have so many tools, they have so many blog articles, so that I'll really say something something that you can have a look at. They also have a browser extension that helps you audit websites. Another really cool resource, if you look at inclusive design, because we chatted a little bit about personal lenses and inclusive and exclusive design. So Airbnb collaborated with agency called News Deeply and they created this tool for creatives to reflect. You know, if you don't like to journal, maybe give it a try, but um, they give a couple of questions to really reflect on your design journey and to uncover any potential biases that you might have and see if you have any personal lenses. So those three websites, I'll say, is really essential to start going in that that will keep you busy for a while. Um, then from a more practical point of view, the Figma, I think a lot of people use Figma. Figma has a lot of plugins for accessible design, free plugins that you can use to check color contrast, to zoom in on text, so make text bigger within your design to see if people who uses uh, that type of assistive technology, what does your design look like if you just magnify your text to 400%? Does it fit into your design? Those are really easy plugins that you can use. Figma also has a accessible prototype um, that's now in beta, which is really cool. So you can create a, a prototype and it is accessible to assistive technology. So I think that's a really nice way to start checking your prototypes before getting it into production and do some usability testing. So Figma has been really great with that. Another practical uh, tool that I find really useful to learn, I mean, we're as a designers we work with things before it gets to production, but if you really want to learn and see how accessibility is applied, WebAIM has a a browser extension uh, that you can add on. It's free and you just run it and it will show you everything on this website that is right or wrong based on the web content accessibility guidelines I think this is a really good tool to visually see all those guidelines that you see on the website you see it on practice so you have all these tags red green blue and it really explains what should be done and not be done I mean there's a lot of them but those are I think the main ones to get you started
0: and to go along with this episode you very kindly came up with a link tree for us to make sure that we could get some links <laughs> to these lovely resources and I'm particularly drawn to try out the reflection resource that you mentioned. I think that, you know, any clear and concise ways to reflect are always useful. And it's so easy to get caught up in just focusing on deadlines and things like that and, you know, lose sight of something really important like accessibility. So it's great to have that kind of prompt to make sure that you've got that healthy reflection as part of your design practice. And then also, I'm so glad you mentioned the Figma Uh, functionality because I just noticed that in one of my prototypes the other day where it said, you know, use a screen reader because to work, you know, try this out with a screen reader and I was just like, oh that's so cool that they've added that in so I'll definitely be trying that with my next prototype as well. So we're nearing the end of our episode would you like to give a message to the people who are listening about accessibility or about UX in general? I think often you get very overwhelmed with accessibility and you think,
1: you know, they're specialists that focus on it, but you don't have to know all the accessibility guidelines off by heart, or you don't have to be accessibility experts to create inclusive designs, I think. That is the main thing. You can start small by doing one extra design check when designing, for example, uh, checking the color contrast. And when you're comfortable with that, uh, you can maybe start with checking color combination in your design to cater for color blindness, specifically for red and green. And that way you just keep going and just introduce small steps into your day-to-day and you'll be on top of it in no time. It shouldn't be overwhelming or a big task.
0: It is definitely doable. I think that's a really important message to pass on is that we can all do accessibility and we have a really important role to play in designing products and making sure that we consider how everyone can use those products because ultimately everyone should be able to use a product and if we exclude anyone from product that means we're missing out we're not including everyone we could be doing better we could be getting our products out to more people so why not make them as inclusive and accessible as possible so if someone is listening to this episode and wants to get in touch with you how can they find you the best way to contact me would
1: be on LinkedIn in the link tree there's also a link to my LinkedIn so yeah please reach out if you have any questions I'm more than happy to help you get started
0: giving you a sources. So I'd just like to say a huge thank you Marley for sharing your experience and helping us learn a bit more about accessibility today and have a great one and thanks to everyone for listening. We ended our chat today with Marley Ritter, an amazing lady and we hope you enjoyed it. If you have suggestions, questions or contributions please contact us on the website This episode was produced by Ladies at UX, edited by Luciana Barasca and sponsored by Deployment, recruiters specialised in UX designers.